Hey everyone, it's Anna. Welcome to the special travel log edition of the Analogs. I recently spent the weekend in Charleston, South Carolina. If you know me, you know that I love me some Charleston. It's one of my favorite cities from the architecture to the stories, to the food, to the colors, to the flowers. There's just so much to love about Charleston. I didn't go there, though, to tour Charleston. I've been there heavens knows how many times. My purpose for going was to participate in a photography tour. There's a company called Charleston Photography Tours, and they do these tours in different locations around Charleston. So I picked one. I'm going to call it the Surf and Turf. I did not look it up before I started this, but we're going to go with that. The plan was we would meet early in the morning, catch sunrise at Botany Bay Beach, spend three, four hours there taking pictures of all kinds of things, learning about landscape photography, all this kind of stuff take a break in the middle of the day, and then meet again in downtown Charleston or Mount Pleasant or someplace and do like evening into the sunset photos. I don't know what you're thinking. Anna, you're a photographer. Why are you doing a photography tour? This is a different type of photography for me. I love it. I take pictures all the time of landscapes, flowers, any of that sort of thing. But here's an opportunity to learn a different technique, something that I might not know or a better way to do something. If you recall, I'm self-taught. So any opportunity I have to learn a little more, I'm going to jump on that. And what better place to start with that than Charleston? Well, Mother Nature had different plans. So I'm driving to Charleston on Friday, it's raining, and rain was in the forecast for all weekend long. Didn't matter, I had already booked this little Airbnb, absolutely adorable, it was an apartment above a detached garage, decorated in a contemporary mid-century modern style, the bed was so comfortable, the host were amazing, quiet neighborhood, great location. I actually stayed on James Island. For those of you who are not familiar with the Charleston area, it's just outside of Charleston. Great location to get to different areas. So I check in, unpacking, I get a message from the tour group. Oh, I forgot to mention. So the tour was supposed to have been all day. And about a week before my arrival, they mixed it up and said, hey, let's do Friday night and Saturday morning. Perfect. Works for me. No big deal. So I'm unpacking and I get a message from the tour group. Um, This rain is causing some issues. Can we reschedule? You pick a day and we will work with you. And my response was, absolutely. We can't control Mother Nature. It's not a big deal. We'll figure something out. So I unpacked, 
And I start thinking, what in the world am I going to do? I'm not going to go home. I've paid for this Airbnb. I've got Harley taken care of by my fabulous dog sitter. I'll figure something out. I found a local restaurant to go to. It's called Maybank Public House. It wasn't far from the Airbnb. And I had looked up their menu online. Yeah, there's something there for me to eat. I'm going to go. I haven't been out to a restaurant by myself in quite some time. So it's like I had to relearn that whole thing again. And it was fine. It was absolutely fine. My concerns in the very beginning about being there alone, no one cared. No one cared. So I had already decided before I got there what I was going to order. I tell you, I don't know what it is about fried green tomatoes, but your girl is hooked on them, especially if they come Napoleon style. I had them, oh my gosh, probably almost a year ago. First time ever. Loved them. And then in the spring, I went to a restaurant in Polly's Island and had them the stack, the Napoleon style. Oh my gosh, they were delicious. So if they're on the menu, Napoleon or not, I'm getting them. And then for my main course, I had shrimp and grits. It wasn't your typical shrimp and grits. There were very little grits. A lot of it was the shrimp and the peppers and the sausage. Very good. Love me some shrimp and grits. So as I'm sitting there, when I'm not people watching, I'm trying to think about, okay, what can I do this weekend now that my plans have changed? Really wasn't coming up with any ideas. So I get back to the Airbnb and I start doing some research. Things to do in Charleston, South Carolina in the rain. Museums. The aquarium. The city market. Historic homes. And the thought of doing all of that was not appealing to me. I've been to the aquarium. It's amazing. City market, of course. But I wanted to do something different. So I decided I'm going to go to Edisto Island. Yeah, Anna, it's raining. I'm still going to go to Edisto Island. Why not? I'd never been there. Grew up in South Carolina. Lived in Beaufort, which is not that far, for two years. Never went. I've been back in South Carolina for five years now. Still have not made it to Edisto Island. I'm going to go to Edisto Island. I don't care that it's raining. So I start doing some research. What are things to see and do on Edisto Island? And I came across, I think, maybe four or five plantations. That would be kind of cool. I love plantations because I love old houses. That's so cool. Then I find a list of cemeteries. You know I love me a good cemetery. So that was my plan. I was going to spend Saturday on Edisto Island looking at plantation homes or just historic homes, old homes. That's all I want. And cemeteries. Because I already had plans for Saturday night. That's coming in part two. Anyways, 
So I get up Saturday morning, and if you listen to my mini log, you've heard a little bit of this already. I didn't care that it was raining. I'd come prepared with my rain boots and my raincoat and my scarf because the wind was blowing. It was cold. I was not going to sit in that Airbnb watching TV, surfing the internet for the entire weekend. It's not what I came to do. I can do that at home. So I gear up, put my warm clothes on, boots are on, coats on, hats up. Good thing I have curly hair now because the rain just made it curlier. It looked really cute. So I get in the car and I start driving. Put in the address for the first plantation. Driving along, make my last turn, pull up to the gate, private property. That information was left off when I did my Google search. So we had to scratch that one off the list. No big deal. We're going to put in the next one. On the way to the next plantation, there's this big church with a big graveyard. Yes, ma'am. I'm going to stop. Question for you. What's the difference between a graveyard and a cemetery? I'll give you a minute. Okay, I gave you about 15 seconds. A graveyard is when it is at the church. You've heard the term churchyard. So a graveyard is when the deceased are buried at the church, on the church grounds. A cemetery is separate from the church. That's when you just have the gravestones on a plot of land. There's no church. You learn something new. So I get out at the Presbyterian Church of Edisto. This church dates back to 1655 and is one of the oldest Presbyterian churches in the country. The main church building that's there now was built around 1831. Grave sites, though, in that graveyard date back. I think the earliest one was like the late 1700s, like 1787, 1788, something like that. So you know me. I am intrigued by, one, what I call the architecture of the headstones, They're so different than what we see today. They're very descriptive. They can be very ornate. They tell the story of the deceased. And some of these, you've got like the fences around them with the intricate ironwork gates and railings and all of those pieces. Some of the gravestones or headstones themselves are just works of art. And it was definitely a way that people showed their wealth back then. I'm also intrigued by all of the children that are there. It was that time period. It was, it was unusual, I guess is the right way to say it. Or let me rephrase that. It was not uncommon 
for couples to lose their children due to disease, birth. I mean, there's so many reasons. So there were a lot of children back during those times that unfortunately did not live past childhood. And so you see a lot of those in the graveyards. Some people get freaked out by them. I don't. I do feel the energy and the wind did pick up. It had not been blowing and it did pick up while I was out there. I did not feel uncomfortable, uneasy at all. The first thing that caught my eye was this large, it actually looked like a miniature Washington monument. And what it was, was a memorial to the victims of the steamboat Pulaski wreck that occurred 1838, I believe. And there were eight members of the church congregation who were on that steamboat who lost their lives, including the pastor and his family. So it's a pretty predominant feature right there in the graveyard. It's one of the first things that you see when you walk in. In the back, next to the tree line, is a mausoleum. And it stands out for many reasons. One, it's an orange color. And two, there's no door on it. It's not roped off either. You will see that a lot of times where it's roped off. I didn't go into it. I just kind of peered into it. And people had made like a makeshift altar and had left different little trinkets in there. And it was kind of cute. Sitting outside was this stone dog, which looked fairly new. It didn't date back to the time period that the mausoleum was built. So I did make notes on this because I later, when I was talking with people, they're like, oh my gosh, did you go to this church? You know, it's haunted, right? No, nobody told me it was haunted. There was nothing in my research that said it was haunted. But then I thought about it. People have the sense that if there are spirits there or if there are unusual things that happen, it's haunted. And haunted tends to have a negative connotation to it. And when I went back and did more research and learned of the story to go along with this mausoleum, it made sense as to why I didn't feel any any uneasiness there because it really wasn't the spirit that's there is not there to do any harm and I'm going to tell you why so here is the legend of Julia Lagar I know I'm mispronouncing that last name I apologize so in the mid-1800s Julia was visiting her relatives who lived on Edisto Island And you know, during that time, when people came for a visit, it wasn't like, hey, we came for dinner, we're going home. They usually stayed for a while. So during this visit, Julia becomes ill and slips into a coma. She ends up being declared dead. Her breathing is very shallow, almost non-existent, obviously non-existent. 
the doctor assumed she was dead. And so she was declared dead. And at that time, when someone died, they immediately buried them or interred them into the mausoleum. And that's what happened with Julia. She was buried the same day that she died. And she was interred in the family's mausoleum. The marble door was closed and locked after she was placed inside. There were other family members that had been in there previously. So she was placed in there with them. This is the part I find interesting. Her family did not visit her. Why? I don't know. Anyways, 15 years later, 15, one, five, 15 years later, there was another death in that family. So what do they do? They're going to inter them with the others. Well, they show up to the mausoleum and the doors open. That's when they realize that they had made a horrible mistake. Crumpled in the corner of the mausoleum were Julia's remains and what was left of the dress that she had been buried in. Yes, Julia had been buried alive. My research didn't indicate that there were any scratch marks on the doors. But I talked to other people and that's the story that they told is that you could actually see like scratch marks on the back where she tried to get out. Can you imagine this young lady, this child, I never did find out how old she was, waking up pitch black in this mausoleum And then realizing that one, she can't get out. And two, there's dead bodies next to her. How horrifying that must have been for her. And who knows how long she was alive. No no idea how long she was alive. Her remains were entombed once again, and the door, once again, was secured and locked. This time, the family decides, you know what, we're going to go visit. We, we probably shouldn't wait 15 years again. We're going to go visit. So they go and visit. The door is open. Huh. The door is closed and secured once again. A few weeks later, they go visit again. The door was open. It was closed and secured again. This kept happening. Finally, chains and locks were used. Didn't matter because whenever family members would go back, the chains and locks would be broken and the door would be open. Eventually, the door was just left off. There's no door there. There's no barricade. There's nothing. The door, it's just an opening into this mausoleum. And the thinking is that Julia is the one 
that opens the door. Not because she's haunting the place, but because she doesn't want the same thing that happened to her to happen to anybody else. So if there's no door and somebody else is buried alive, when they wake up, they can get out. I think that's kind of cool. Next. One of the other things that I wanted to see was Botany Bay Beach. I know it was risky. It's raining. It's in the low country. More than likely, there's going to be flooding. And sure enough, I get out at Botany Bay Beach or the parking area. Wind is howling. Rain is blowing. And I walk over. And yeah, you could see the little part of the bridge way out there, but you can't get to it because everything is flooded. I wasn't the only people or person thinking they could possibly get out to the beach that day because another car pulled up and a mother and daughter got out and we're all kind of just standing there thinking, yeah, no, we're not going to get out to the beach today. Even if we had made it to that dry, higher portion of the bridge, we weren't getting any further. So, stood there and talked to them for a little bit. They were from the Atlanta area. The daughter had been out to Botany Bay Beach several times, wanted to bring mom out there. And we just started talking. Told them what I was doing out there, and I happened to mention the podcast. And they're like, oh my gosh, well, what's the name of your podcast? So I tell them. And I talk about how I, what it's about and how I do the travel log and that this little trip was going to be the travel log portion. And the mom stops and she's like, wait, is your name Anna? And I said, yeah, it is. The daughter chimes up, my name is Anna. Love it. I told them, I'm like, well, you're going to have to listen because you will be a part of my travel log for this for this trip. So if you're listening, it was great talking to you then. Hopefully you were able to make it back out there another day where you can actually get to the beach. I'm going to try again for sure. So I do a little video, get back in my car and I drive back out. And where Botany Bay Road meets Highway 174, I think is the road that goes right through Edisto, in the waterway that's there is this tree. And I had read about this tree. It was in my notes. There's this tree that someone decorates. No one's ever been seen decorating it, but it gets decorated for different occasions. There have been flip-flops on there. There have been beach chairs. It's decorated at Christmas When I was there, it was decorated with those plastic pumpkins that you used to go trick-or-treating with, all different colors. 
it was so fun. And when I was doing research on it, trying to figure out when this started and so forth, it said at one point they blame youth for pulling up this tree. Well, somebody came and planted another one. So it's one of those mysteries. So the next time I go, now that I know where it is, we'll have to look to see what's there. I continued on my journey, looking for the next plantation house. Yeah, no, I don't know where the GPS was sending me because I ended up in someone's yard and the road did not continue even though the GPS was telling me to continue. That happened twice. Well, I don't count the first one because it actually took me to the driveway. It's just now private property. There was nothing there or it would want to take me into the forest where there was no road. I haven't gone to look at satellite photos to see if there's anything there. It could be that was the area where it was originally. So I had one house left on my list that I was going to find. And I found it. It's called Hutchinson House. And it had been abandoned. I found pictures of it and it was in really rough shape. Although I'm quite impressed that it was even still standing in the condition that it was in. It has since been renovated. And it had a porta potty out front, which is awesome because couldn't find too many public restrooms there. Anyways, the Hutchinsons were a well-known African-American family that resided on Edisto Island for generations. The Hutchinson house was built in 1885 by Henry Hutchinson. He was born into slavery at the onset of the Civil War. Of course, we know how that all turned out, and he was freed. His father was Jim Hutchinson, who was a biracial slave. His mother was a slave, and his father was a white man. Don't know who he is. There's no, I haven't found any information on who his father is. Jim served in the Union Army after Edisto Island was occupied by the Union troops. And yes, I am reading a little bit of this. I do apologize if it sounds like that. After the war, Jim became a leader in the African community there. Sadly, he was murdered years later on Wadmala Island. His son, Henry, also became a well-respected leader in the community. And in fact, he built and operated the island's first African-owned cotton gin in 1900, and he ran that business until 1920. He and his wife, Rosa, lived in Hutchinson House until his death in 1940. And that house is now listed on the National Registry of Historic Places. You can't get into the house. You can't even really get close to it. I mean, yeah, there's no way. And it's protected so that you can't climb over the fence or anything to get to it. I don't know if they completed everything inside, but... From the pictures that I saw of when it was dilapidated, 
and then seeing it in person after the renovations, they kept true to the colors, which I thought was really awesome. I'm still searching to find out more about Hutchinson family and the the role that they played in that community there. Um, but it was it was really cool to actually be able to find one of these houses and then learn the history of it. There was one more house that I probably could have gotten to, but it was down a dirt road. And with all this rain, there was no way I was going to drive down there and get stuck. I will go back to Edisto. One, Botany Bay Beach. Two, to try to find these other houses. Speaking of which, I didn't give up on that very first one that I was looking for. Because when I was driving to it, before I made the turn in where it had private property signs, there was another entrance. And you know how the GPS sometimes doesn't take you to the right place? So actually on my way back out of the island, I figured I'd give it one more try. Why not? Let's see what we can find. So this time I turn into that very first entrance. There are no signs. It looks grand, definitely a very nice entrance, much nicer than the one I ran into the first time. So I'm like, what the heck? Let's try it. So I start driving. And where does it take me? It connects to the driveway that I was at earlier that said private property. So there was a little bit of trespassing going on. Did not realize that, but that's what happened. I did learn that the house recently sold. It had been sitting there for quite some time. So I was happy to hear that it had been sold or it had been purchased and that the family was going to, to keep it up. I think that's awesome. I would love to have seen it, but you know, I take what I can get. The last thing that I want to share with you was one more cemetery that I visited, and it was a church. It was Trinity something. I didn't write it down. Again, got out in the rain, walking around. They had really unique headstones as well. Some were shaped like shells. There were, sadly again, a lot of children out there. But something that caught my eye, there was a wall. And it was almost like a memory wall. And there was a placard, the very first one. And from what I could tell, it was the wife had passed and the husband had made, you know, put this up for her. And on the bottom was a quote, life's a party. I thought, oh, that is so wonderful. And this lady was was up there in age. She was not young. I can't recall her exact age. And then I start walking around again and I come across this bench. And on the side of the bench it says, see you on the other side. And I thought, well, how fun is that? That's awesome. And I read the top and somebody else had put this bench. It must've been her family in honor of the lady that said life's a party. So I'm thinking she must have been one heck of a person. She sounds like she knew how to have a good time 
And she was going to continue to have a good time on the other side. And that just made me smile. You may think that's weird, but I thought that was pretty cool. So anyways, that was my adventure on Edisto Island in the rain, in the wind. I was soaked, but I was so happy. I learned so much. And I even went back and did research on some of these people that I came across and some of the terms that I found. For example, the term consort. And I'm like, why was this woman called a consort? What does that mean? Because he had had wives, you know, and what I read said that that's the the term given to the wife of a monarch. Yeah, this guy wasn't a monarch. I think we all know what it meant by consort. And then I came across the word relic. This woman was a relic of this man. I'm like, what the heck? It meant that she was the widow. Why didn't we just say that? Anyways, that was my adventure. The first part of my trip to Charleston in the rain, in the wind, in the cold, went back to my Airbnb, put on nice warm clothes, bundled up on the couch, watched TV for a little bit while I warmed up drinking my tea so I could get ready for my adventure that night. You're going to have to wait for part two to hear that story. Before I go, I do want to thank you all for listening and following along on this journey with me. I hope you get excited about these places that I go to and the fun and cool and odd things that I see and do. And what's a little rain? I mean, come on. You take a shower, right? It's kind of sort of the same thing, except you're wearing your clothes and your clothes get wet. So don't let a little rain stop you. Go out and enjoy. And look at how much fun I had and how much I learned instead of sitting in the Airbnb, watching TV, and probably taking a nap and being completely unproductive. So get out there. Enjoy life. Go explore these places. Go do things you may not have done before. Step outside of that box and just enjoy life. And I would love to hear about some of your adventures. Or if you go to some of these places that I've talked about, let me know. Facebook, Instagram, Leave a comment here when you leave that five-star review. I would love to hear about it. You may have gone someplace that I've never been that I need to go to and then tell everyone else about it. So stay tuned for part two of my trip to Charleston. Until then.